Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold Prime Elite Roomy Force Calf Cube. Maximize calf performance and health at grass by optimizing the function of the rumen. Welcome to the Dairy Gold Farm Talk program with John O'Connor. Later in the Farm Talk program, a reminder of tomorrow Sunday's Skull Agricultural Show. A comment on the current grass situation with Padre McCormack, Chagas Moor Park near Fomoy. Stephen Robb, Irish Farmers Journal, looks at the potential of hydrogen plus AD and how AD and aerobic digesters could help us meet our carbon targets. Also in the programme, Mr Seamus O'Mahony, Head of Commercial Agribusiness, Dairy Gold, our sponsors, on the current fertiliser registration situation. Seamus clarifies the new fertiliser database which farmers must register all fertiliser activity on. ICSA President Dermot Keller said the imbalance in farm incomes across the sectors must inform key budget 2024 decisions in favour of low-income beef, sheep and suckler farmers at a meeting he held with Minister Charlie McConnell in Dublin. Mr Kelleher said the ICSA, the Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association, is seeking a sheep payment worth €35 per year, a beef carbon efficiency payment worth up to €100 Euro ahead, and an ongoing long-term commitment to supporting the suckler sector through the SCEP scheme. IFA President Mr Tim Cullinan led a delegation to meet the Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Charlie McConnell, recently to discuss farmers' priorities for Budget 24. Mr Cullinan said at the outset the IFA made it clear to Minister McConnell that his plan to delay payments to farmers this year was totally unacceptable and had to be revised. Mr Cullinan said the focus of the IFA delegation was on the measures needed to combat deflated output prices and inflationary pressures and to restore viability to lower-income farms. Mr Cullinan said pressures still exist on farm due to high input costs. He said he discussed with the Minister a number of initiatives which he could put to his colleague, the Minister for Finance, Mr Michael McGrath. The IFA Farm Business Chair, Ms. Rosemary McDonough, said the Minister must ensure all agri-tax reliefs are renewed. Ms. McDonough said the Minister was clear the Government was committed to reliefs that are in place and he was not aware of any proposals within Government to reduce them or curtail them. Ms. McDonough said the Minister also pointed out he was committed to working with the Minister for Finance to, quote, fix the zoned residential land tax issue for actively farmed land. ICSA Beef Chair Mr Edmund Graham said the daily live weight potential of calves born to the dairy sector must reach 1 kg a day if beef farmers are to be expected to rear them. Mr Graham said, quote, we need to see a significant improvement in the beef merit of calves born to the dairy sector for our beef farmers to have any chance of finishing the animals in a financially viable and environmentally sustainable way. And the IFA president, Mr Tim Collins, said the Minister for Agriculture, Charlie McConnell, should focus on supporting beef farmers instead of, quote, constantly talking about a suckler exit scheme, which he himself allegedly had ruled out six months ago in Thoman Park. 
The IFA, he said, had consistently set out their willingness to engage in meaningful discussions on all proposals when the order of priority is addressed and funding levels are provided. Part of a statement there from the IFA president, Mr Tim Cullinan. Coming up next, our main story in Farm Talk this week, Mr Seamus O'Mahony, Head of Commercial Agribusiness, Dairy Good, our sponsor, looks at the fertiliser register and points out the best way for farmers to make sure they are registered on the fertiliser database. That's next in the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Mr Seamus O'Mahony, Dairy Gold Head of Commercial Agribusiness. First of all, uh, Seamus, welcome to the programme. Now, a lot of people are expressing concern about the fertiliser register. What exactly is this fertiliser register and what should farmers be doing to make sure they comply with the new regulation? Seamus, the fertiliser register, what exactly is this? Okay, so the fertiliser register database um, has been introduced into uh, legislation in recent um, days with um, the, the veterinary medicines um, bill as well. So they've been, they, they came through together. But the, the department at this stage now are prioritising um, the implementation of this. And I thought just in terms of why they're doing it, um, as the legislation ensures a national fertiliser database which will help um, government meet a commitment uh, that Ireland, uh, uh, you know, holds on to its uh, nitrate derogation. So, you know, really and truly, that's probably the most important reason for it. Um, on a positive note, I suppose it will help farmers reduce their administration burden for both nitrates and upcoming eco-schemes because uh, the data relating to the fertiliser will already, um, you know, be, uh, be in the ag food database. And uh, I suppose as in terms of government policy, I suppose that supporting farmers to reduce fertiliser use and possibly to understand where fertiliser is being used in terms of water catchments and, and, and uh, what they're trying to achieve in terms of improved water quality. And look generally, I suppose, to inform government policy as part of its um, climate action plan. And, you know, I suppose look at the co-ops uh, as, as, as a, a group um, through ICAS. You know, I, you know, they're probably supportive. You know, in a broad level of the of the database, but you know, understand uh, as well. Um, you know, that it's it, it's a it's a further change for the farmers, and it's a change for us as well. But uh, look, the preserving that nitrates derogation is the most important thing for all of us. And you know, we've been negotiating with the department to make it as easy as possible for farmers. The Fertiliser Regulation Act. Uh, 2023 and uh, other relevant um, acts. How would a farmer, how would a listener who feels involved, how would they find out more? Is there a website or can they contact Dairy Gold? How can yeah. listeners find out exactly how they should you know, stay on the right side of doing things properly? Yeah, so look, um, to be fair, um, the department are going to conduct their own um, communications campaign in terms of there will be letters to farmers and merchants, I, I understand there's going to be, you know, communication events. They're going to be at the ploughing, so that'll be one-to-one -one contact. Um, we've been undertaking training with our own area sales managers in recent weeks. Um, you know, we're gathering questions from farmers as they arise. We're submitting them to the department, and we're creating a frequently asked questions list. And you know, we've had, you know, some of those we submitted to, to the department themselves and. On, the, on their own website, if you do, even if you just type in fertilizer register, 
in, into Google, you'll, 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 it'll bring you fairly quickly into the department's own, um, you know, suite of information on it. Um, I thought that, you know, there's a few key milestone dates that, that farmers need to be aware of, but I don't, I don't think they need to be too worried in the sense that most farmers doing their business right, um, there's going to be no um, significant change. Um, I suppose it might be worth noting to the listeners uh, a couple of important new terms uh, uh, and a couple of important new dates, uh, so just that they're aware of. So, you know, I suppose farmers, primarily with the department, are, um, you know, the herd number is the main identifier that, that is used. And in this case as well, you know, fertilizer, um, end user, FEU, uh, will equate in most cases for most farmers to their to their herd number. So that's the that's the kind of the how would you say the close peg for 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 holding all of this together. Um, and the key dates for farmers to recognise are the 24th of July. In terms of you know the red, the database is, has been opened up. It's available for both farmers and uh, professional end users to. Um, to register, so that's on a farmer's own ag food database, and all farmers register their calves through that. Um, and a, another key date in is the first of September. So on the first of September, um, you know all co-ops and all merchants must start tracking the sales data uh, for reporting to the register. And at the end of each month, then they must submit reconciled um, sales data to the to the department, and that will be. You know, quantity of fertilizer, um, the type of fertilizer, and uh, you know the, the the brand of that fertilizer. So, and it's linked obviously to the herd number. And um, I think farmers are already aware. You know, when they're buying, you know, and some of the pesticides and 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 some sprays now that they're having to submit um, their herd number. So this this will be something similar. We we from the first of September we won't be able to sell fertilizer. Without having a herd number attached to it, um, I, I, I saw the second key date, and probably the, the most important key date is for the farmer. Um, the end of the fertilizer year is obviously the the 14th of September at 23:59, uh, one minute to midnight. So at that point, um, the department are expecting farmers to register a closing stock. So how much fertilizer you have in your yard at that point of time, and then for most farmers, that won't be a loss. Um, uh, as in most farmers will have used their stock of fertilizer at that point, and they have until the middle of October, then October 15th, to uh, register that data with the department. And I suppose the key thing there is whether or not they buy fertilizer or have fertilizer, they must still um, register the stock. So if the stock is nil, you know, they have to um, register the, that is nil on their database and you know for many farmers they'll do it themselves and if they don't do it themselves well they can you know they can ask their tragic advisor or their private uh, advisor to register that stock for them and um, you know I suppose that uh, thereafter then um, um, looking out into next year um, each month then um, uh, sales data from you know, all resellers of fertilizer on the island will will be submitted to the Department of Agriculture. Lime is involved here. We're saying that farmers who buy fertilizer as such are lime without being registered on the National Fertilizer Database. 
they'll be breaking the law from the 1st of September and there, there could be fines there stinging the tail of anything up to €100,000. So both the quantity and type of fertiliser as well as the date it was transferred to the farmer must be recorded on this national fertiliser database. But we want to point out it's fertiliser as such or lime. Yes, so there, there will be a fertiliser catalogue. Um, I think it's... it's uh, managed, I think the, the, the name of the department man, and that is Sinbar Regan, but the fertiliser catalogue and, uh, uh, you know, there's a definition for fertiliser, uh, you know, but fertiliser and lime products. And lime, obviously, is a very good thing. So, you know, the quantity of lime and where it's being applied and, and uh, you know, there's a huge interest nationally now in terms of um, soil health. And look, in the greater scheme of things, maybe over a long period of time, you know, we you know we've all been maybe putting out um, a lot of nitrogen at times to compensate maybe for lower values of P and K in in other areas. And look, you know, if if people understand their 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 the soil health uh, and and the chemical and uh, biological health of their soil, you know, you can actually um, you know get the same amount of grass with a little bit less nitrogen. And you know, we've seen that with the application of new technologies like. The, the, the low emission slurry spreading, the the application of clovers, um, you know, the grass ten type technology updates in terms of uh, you know ten grazings per year, you know, the, the, there's a lot of technology has come along to show farmers, you know, new ways of uh, you know using their fertilizer, and we we we, I suppose we learned an awful lot there probably last year when fertilizer was very expensive. It's re, you know. Um, farmers learned to to use uh, it, it less. I suppose the disappointing thing, though, and we're seeing is uh, is that the P and K um, levels on farms has has reduced over the last two years. So we we do need to work on getting those balances right. But if we do that, I I, I don't think we've any farmer has any worry to, uh, with this. So I think most farmers are operating. To be fair, within their derogation, they're trying to do a good job. Um, they're, you know, they're trying to farm in an environmentally friendly way, and uh, you know, I don't think uh, there's anything to fear. And you know, in terms of the fertilizer register, or, or in terms of their soil health, you know, or, or we have a team of uh, advisors well trained on that uh, to, to, to support farmers on that. And I suppose there's also a lot of knowledge coming through our uh, joint program with our um, with our Chagask advisors, and uh, so we also have a team of um, ASAP advisors. I suppose they, they, they've been um, they're they're supporting farmers as well in terms of um, you know trying to come up with ways to reduce impact on water quality. So they're there to help farmers in that space as well. The importance, the increasing importance of soil sampling and the great work being done by the Dairy Gold Lombardstown Lab and soil sampling, healthy soil, they're all interrelated. But by keeping in touch with your Dairy Gold representative and uh, keeping in touch in general, we realise the great value of Lombardstown Laboratory, Dairy Gold's Lombardstown Lab and the vital necessity of soil sampling on an ongoing basis, to know where you stand, whether your soil needs lime, even though we know in general there tends to be a deficiency of lime. But, of course, soil sampling and Lombardstown Lab. Yeah. So just, just in terms of a general overview, you know, despite, you know, all the, the advances that have been made, you know, 
you know, 80% of our soils are still suboptimal for soil health. So that's an opportunity. 55% of soils have low potassium levels. 62% of soils in our area are below the optimum level of lime. So without spending money on extra nitrogen, there's a good opportunity to improve productivity on soils. Uh, look at the trends in our own lab laboratory over the last number of years, between 2015 and 2019. You now some gains were made. I think farmers invested in their farms, you know, post-quarter, they invested more in P&K, and they got that an extra gra- grass growth out of the farm. But I think in the, the last year and a half or so, um, we've, we, we're definitely seeing a decline in P&K and a, 40, a 14% drop in that kind of, you know, P&K balance. Um, I suppose just in terms of the month ahead, the month of August, and if we look ahead, um, you know, farmers do need to be building grass. Um, I suppose from a nitrogen point of view, nitrogen go out now. A kilo of nitrogen would go 25 kilos of, of grass you know, in September. I know the 10 or 15 kilos of grass that would grow. So, you know, it's definitely time to top up in that space. But in terms of P and K, um, you know, there's really only a, a few weeks. And I suppose we would be advising farmers if they have a phosphorus ban- um, allowance uh, under nutrient management plan to get out a little bit of phosphorus now get out a bit of sorry or, or and potash as well perhaps and uh, you know it's a good time now to get out uh, compounds like um, you know 27205 uh, or 101020 during August assuming an allowance because you know once the September comes again you'll be closing off and, and uh, you know most farmers go out in January think about uh you know they think about urea again or protected uh, protected urea so they may not get the opportunity to top it up so now is a good time to top top soils up on those and if they need help with their soil certs um you know be it from you know from any lab we're there to help with that but uh, we also have um as you know we've uh, we have our grassroots sustainability program and there's uh, six pillars under that and uh, two of those pillars I suppose relate to the agri side in terms of you know the protected urea and farmers really have moved in the space of, of, of moving towards protected urea and that, that kind of gives 79% reduction in emissions in greenhouse gases so that's really a, a big win in terms of climate impact uh, but also in terms of soil health in terms of where we're subsidising farmers with sampling and uh, you know, it, it, it's a good investment and we have contractors available to um, go out and do the side sampling for you because it is a job, I think, that we've, that we've learned that farm people don't like doing. So we have specialist people now to do it. And for the first time now this year, we will be, you know, digitally mapping and geo-tagging geo, uh, um, those soils uh, as well uh, to ensure, you know, full traceability around that So. You know, we're improving all the time, but we're doing it for, for, for our members, really. That sounds excellent. Thank you very much, Seamus. The Irish Farmers Journal, Saturday, 29th of July, page 55. A very neat, concise, not too long feature. What you need to know about the new fertiliser database. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Seamus O'Malley, Dairy Gould, Head of Commercial Agribusiness at Dairy Gould. Thank you, Seamus, very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thank you, John. You're welcome. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk Programme, Mr. Paulrick McCormack, Business and Technology Dairy Advisor, Chagas Advisory Office, Moor Park near Fomoy, County Cork. First of all, Paulrick, welcome to the programme. Now, of course, our great natural resource, as we always remind ourselves and exporters, 
What is the actual grass situation like on farms at the moment? Yeah, so thanks, John. So I suppose, look, average growth rates have been have been at around 55 to 60 across the county in the, in the past week. And in general, there's a good grass to supply on farms. I suppose, look, looking back, June came very dry, leading to a few quality and maybe supply issues. And now in July, then we've the opposite. We have had above average rainfall. And in some parts of the county, we've had difficult grazing conditions. Um, but look, as I said, look, grass quality was an issue across farms. And so as a result of that, I suppose any remaining paddocks with poor grass quality um, need to be corrected now during this rotation, um, especially as we come into the building phase, so as, as, as you can build autumn grass from a clean base. Um, I suppose if it allows, then some of the paddocks could be removed as, as surplus bales, or if necessary, then there may be a need to top one or two paddocks also. But look, it's important, I suppose, as we are building, that if we are building from a clean base, that we, we can ensure that animals will utilise those heavier grass covers as we start to graze maybe in, in September and October. That's uh, grand. Now, looking at targets, of course, with grass, what grass targets should farmers have uh, over the next uh, few weeks uh, on their screens? Yeah, so what farmers should be looking at really now over the next few weeks is we're, we're coming into the month of August, so we're coming into the building building phase of building grass on, on the farm, so Look, the first half of autumn grazing begins in August when we when we start building this grass. So, look, what's going to be happening next month is that we're going to have to increase our average farm cover and then um, increase our rotation rent as, as well. Um, so, really, what we're looking at in terms of targets, we're looking at a peak farm cover at the end of September, the start of October, of roughly maybe look a thousand to twelve hundred, depending on your on your stocking rate, really. Um, but in general, look, from the 1st of August, that's next Tuesday, we should be looking at really starting to extend our rotation length so that by look mid to late August, we have a rotation length of around 25 to 30 days and then, I suppose, 35 to 40 days then in, in late September. But really, look, our focus over the next few few weeks uh, will be on building that, that grass, so to increase the number of days, I suppose, at the back end. Um, that we get out to grass and, and in turn, I suppose, hoping to increase animal performance. What other management tips do you have for our listeners for this time of the year? Yeah, so I suppose, look, some other management tips maybe for, for the time of the year that we're in. I suppose, look, looking across the county over the last week and a half, people have been cutting second cut silage when, when there has been a window to do so, really. Um, so, look, in that kind of way, it might be a good time to, to take stock of how much feed you need over the winter period, the coming winter, and then to look and see how much, I suppose, silage you've actually made so far um, and what's in the yard, and then maybe how much more you need. So just to establish what you need for the winter in, in terms of stock in the yard, and, and then maybe, um, look, last year a lot of silage stocks were exhausted, um, so it might be a good time also to... to, to try and get a bit of a reserve as well when you're when you're calculating that requirement um look also in terms of breeding i suppose farms in general now are at the end of the breeding season i suppose anything bull from now on will, will calve in the month of may of next year so so really people are starting to line up scanning now over over the next few weeks um and also john look it, it might be a good time to to weigh the replacement heifers then as well to to see um if they're on target also now, milking times, can there be flexibility with the milking times? Would farmers have any options in terms of being flexible with their milking times? Yeah, so look, John, yeah, as you say, look, this time of the year now we're, we're kind of, we're, we're finished our, 
we're finishing our breeding and, and then hopefully second cuts will be, be brought in. So look, it's a, it's a good time maybe to look at our, our milking times on farm. Um, I suppose firstly, first and foremost, I suppose look look at a, a 16 to 8 hour milking interval can, can help shorten the, the standard working day on farms. So for look, look for example, this could be starting our morning milking at, at 7 a.m. and then our evening milking at 3 p.m. And look, across numerous studies, this has been shown there's been, been no effect on, on milk kilos per cow or, or somatic cell count either in this scenario. Um, look, another option maybe some farmers do this time of the year as well is uh, milking 13 times per week in, instead of 14 milkings maybe. Um, so this could mean, again, look, not milking on a, on a, on a Sunday afternoon, for example. Um, but in this scenario, it would be important to note, I suppose, that you'd have to be consistent in, in what milking you take off each week. Um, so in that scenario, if you were taking off a Sunday afternoon, um, every week it'd have to be a Sunday afternoon that you'd be taken off. Um, I suppose, look, another interesting study coming out of uh, Moor Park under, I suppose, Ian McKendy, and I, some of you may have seen it at the recent Moor Park Open Day, is that they are trialling 10 milkings in seven days. Um, so th- what this looks like is that you milk twice a day on a Monday, Wednesday and a Friday. And that's at 7 a.m. And, and 4 p.m. And then milking once a day then on a Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday and Sunday. And that would be around 10, 10 a.m. in the morning. So I suppose look there in year two of the study now. But from just looking back on last year's results for those that um we're milking 10 times in the seven days. For the full lactation, there was roughly a drop of about 10% in milk yield and a 10%, 11% drop, I think, in milk solids. Um, but, but what was interesting um, was when the milk cows, I suppose, as normal twice a day up to July, up to now, and then when they switched over the cows who were milking twice a day and they switched them over in July to go on to milking 10 milkings in seven days, that they found no difference between those milking twice a day for the full year and those milking 10 and 7 for, for the rest of the year, so from July onwards. So I suppose, look, year two of the study, but it'll, it'll be interesting to keep an eye on, on this over the next, next while, and look, it might help give more flexibility and, and could, could improve look, work-life balance on farms going forward. The name of that study, the ongoing study, which revealed uh, such fascinating analysis there of milking times and giving people a better balance in their lives between work and uh, time off. The, the first study mentioned was was, uh, was uh, just a milking interval study, but secondly, the, the, the new study there is um, on, I suppose, trying to look 10 milkings in seven days, really, is, is, is what the study is. And, and if anyone... Um, at the Park Open Day or maybe you can go online and they can see more information on the study um, by, by going on the Chagas website as well. That's a very interesting. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Padraig McCormack, Business and Technology Dairy Advisor, Chagas Advisory Office, Park near Fomoy in County Cork. Thank you very much indeed, Padraig. Thanks a million. Thanks, Sam. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Mr. Stephen Robb, Renewables Editor, Irish Farmers Journal. First of all, Stephen, welcome to the programme. Now, a very interesting topic, AD, anaerobic digesters, and you point out in the review there that AD plants, these are anaerobic digester plants, could save 2 million tonnes of carbon annually. What's the background to that one, Stephen? Yeah, absolutely, John. So, look, it's, it's nothing to be scoffed at. It's, it's, uh, it's a big number, um, and the technology has a, has, a, has the potential to make a real impact on 
on Irish agriculture and Irish society as, as we go forward and try to reduce our emissions. So, John, for, for all of your listeners, uh, some of them may know that we have very ambitious targets for the development of anaerobic digestion technology in Ireland. By 2030, we are supposed to have between 150 to 200 AD plants up and, and operational uh, to produce biomethane. And biomethane is a fully renewable gas uh, and is a drop-in fuel or it's a straight replacement for natural gas. Um, and these 150 to 200 AD plants are going to are supposed to be producing enough uh, biomethane gas to replace about 10% of Ireland's uh, natural gas use. So for the first time, really, John, we have um, we have numbers behind what uh, these anaerobic digestion plants um, might actually do, might actually achieve in terms of emission reductions. Um, and these figures were contained in uh, Chagas' uh, Chagas the latest uh, marginal abatement cost curve, so the MAC curve, um, which uh, some of your listeners might, might have been reading about or indeed hearing about over the past week or so. So as you rightly said, if we... According to Chagas' figures, if we are able to, to meet our 2030 targets and develop these 150 to 200 AD plants, then between a combination of different sources, uh, that'll, those plants will save in excess of about 2 million tonnes of, of carbon, uh, actually carbon dioxide equivalent, so it's a whole range of emissions um, each year uh, beyond 2030. Um, so if you want to break that up, John, how, how does that actually look? Uh, where are those emission savings coming from? Well, it's coming from three sources. The first source is um, is in the biomethane gas itself. So it's an energy, it's, it's, a, it's a gas, it's, it's a fuel, um, but it's, it's, if it's not carbon neutral, then, then it's, uh, it'll be about a bit of minimum of a 7% emission reduction target com- uh, compared to natural gas. So for that 5.7 terawatt hour figure, um, if that's used in either the heat or transport sector, um, that'll save roughly about uh, 1.7. 1.4 million tons of, of CO2e. Um, the next source uh, is where it gets really interesting. Um, so what you get out of the other side of, of uh, these AD plants, so you feed it with slurry and grass, and what you get out the other side, John, is digestive. And digestive is it's a kind of a more a concentrated kind of slurry product. The nutrients are a lot more readily available and it's a lot more powerful than, than slurry. So it's an organic biofertilizer. So what Chagas are saying um, is that if you can use this digestive as a replacement for chemical fertilizer, um, but also if you're able to capture the uh, the slurry from, or sorry, the methane from from the slurry by putting it through the digester in the first place, those two measures will save over 300,000 tons of CO2e. And the very last source um, involves involves the changing of um, land use from potentially livestock production uh, in some cases. To, to feed stock production for, for these AD plants. So really you're chatting about grass here. And Chagas have done um, a bit of modelling around this and they reckon that if, if 6,700 livestock farms were to change or diversify a part of their business, so not get out of livestock production completely, but, but re- maybe reduce livestock uh, numbers uh, and in its place produce, uh, produce grass silage, um, then doing that measure uh, would, would save, again, nearly 300,000 tonnes of, of CO2e. So they're, they're really interesting figures. The first time that we've seen them, it's the first time that modelling's been done, and it just shows the real potential of this technology. 
And that is amazing, Stephen, because we're saying, in effect, as I understand it, that the Chagas MACC study, we're saying that the Chagas AD model is based on grass silage and slurry. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So that, that is the model, so it is. Um, so the small handful of AD plants that are in operation already in Ireland, well, some of them are using uh, slurry. A lot of them are using slurry. Some of them are using grass. But look, there's also a lot of other kind of waste sources used as well. Um, but I suppose the new model for, for AD and the model with the, the most potential here in Ireland is, is that grass stroke slurry model. So Chagas have, again, done the model on this and done, done the numbers behind it. And they're estimating that for, for a modern anaerobic digestion plant um, to, be, to be viable as opposed to produce biomethane, um, each plant will require about 20,000 tonnes of grass silage and about 14,000 tonnes of slurry uh, per year. Now that grass silage, as we said, could it could be grass that's surplus to requirement. It could be grass that's growing, you know, on contract. There are a whole other, a whole range of kind of new potential market options for farmers that that were never there before. So, so really, it's it's quite an interesting and quite an exciting model for Ireland. Uh, one which which firmly, firmly places farmers at the centre of, uh, of this industry. The feedback from farmers, is there any form of resistance um, to these AD plants? Do farmers appreciate the value of them, or are there any snags in the eyes of the farmers in uh, you know, meeting our targets uh, for 2030? So I, I, was, um, I was at the, the Energy and uh, Farm Diversification Show in, in Gurchin, uh, last week, and, and I was involved in, in quite a number of, of AD talks and uh, demonstrations down there, and we got a we got a big range of uh, inquiries and views and thoughts from farmers who were there on the day on the technology. Um, many of them see it as an opportunity. Uh, many of them don't fully understand the AD model, and I don't blame them because the, the AD model is, you know, it's, it's still not nailed down because because this is still all very academic, sort of, and. But of course, some farmers were uh, were concerned and were nervous about the, the role of technology. Um, some dairy farmers seen it as a potential threat, a competition for land. Um, but I suppose the, the the kind of counter argument to that was that yes, grass silage is going to be needed for these facilities, but they're also going to need an awful lot of slurry, so they are to to make them work from a sustainability point of view. So that's where the dairy industry really comes in because these AD plants need. They need their slurry, and there's a value to that slurry. And from a dairy farmer's point of view, well, they can export their slurry to these AD plants, and the AD plant will sign off on it, um, and then they don't, they don't really have to worry about it anymore. So from a nitrate compliance point of view, it could be quite useful for some farmers. So, so there's, a, there's, a, there's a wide range of opinions out there, and, and I think that for the, for the technology to become really mainstream and even accepted within within the agricultural community, but of course in, in society as well. You know, we're going to have to see a number of these uh, plants up and running, maybe even on a pilot basis, um, to see how they really, uh, this, this, this agricultural model really fits into agriculture and really fits into society. So I, I suspect we're going to see that happen over the, the coming years. Now. Speaking to Mr. Stephen Robb, the Renewables Editor, Irish Farmers Journal, and we've been discussing the topic which is set out in great detail Irish Farmers Journal, and it's on. It's in the journal, and you cover the big event which took place recently in Gurchin Agricultural College. And the article there is "Progress Made, but Much More to Do." Energy at the Ag Event. Could I just ask you to comment uh, briefly? I know it's a huge 
subject and topic in its own right, but elsewhere in the journal, you look at hydrogen. It seems like a great untapped uh, potential there we have in Ireland. We could be even high up there and amongst the top world leaders. Yeah, no, no, no doubt about it, John. We 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 really can be, and and we and we probably will be. Um, I don't think it's going to happen this decade. I think that the policy support uh, and the supply chains and the in- industry infrastructure uh, is just beginning to be put into place. But by by 2030 and well into 2040, we, this is going to become a, a serious serious industry here in Ireland. So, uh, on the sustainable uh, farm insights page uh, this week, as you rightly said, we we just had a bit of a high level um, overview of, of hydrogen, um, of where the industry is going uh, in Ireland, and that's off the back of. Uh, the government publishing their um, hydrogen strategy, first kind of policy piece, um, setting out a roadmap for development of hydrogen. Um, it's it's a really interesting field, and we've been hearing lots and lots about it over over the decades. To be honest, John, um, but I suppose the technology is just coming through now to to really make it make it viable. We're not there yet; it's not viable yet um, on on a mass scale. But again, that's going to change over the, over the coming years. What makes this fuel so interesting is that well, look. It's, Hydrogen is the most abundant element in the universe. It's everywhere, so it is. Um, but I suppose where we're really where where we are really interested in, in harnessing hydrogen from is, is from water. Um, you have H2O, that's your, your water molecule, and that's two hydrogens and an oxygen. So if you can split that water molecule, um, you have two hydrogen uh, molecules and also oxygen. How you do that? Well, look, the, the most likely technology is, is through a system called an electrolyzer, which requires a, a fair whack of uh, electricity to, to power it. Um, but luckily for Ireland, we, we have a massive resource here um, uh, in, in, in terms of renewable energy production, mostly in our onshore and offshore uh, wind sector. And again, quite similar to hydrogen, uh, all the policy framework and policy supports uh, and developers are, are putting themselves into place to, to really to really roll out and develop that, that renewable electricity sector. So... Ireland will become a, an ex, net exporter of renewable electricity in, in the coming decades. Um, and, and there's a school of thought out there, and that's part of the plan here, is that we're not going to export all of that surplus renewable electricity. A lot of it's going to go into hydrogen production. And once you can produce your, your hydrogen, green hydrogen, well, you can use it in, um, in, in, in multiple industries, whether it be transport or, or renewable electricity generation itself, or you know, flexi generation, backup generation, etc., not a simple technology, not a simple fuel, um, but we are we are uh, on on the right uh, road to being able to harness this. The vast potential that's there, right on our doorstep in Ireland, and uh, amazing altogether. Thank you very much indeed for your valuable time, Mr. Stephen Robb, Renewables Editor, Irish Farmers Journal. Thank you, Stephen, very much. My pleasure, John. You're very welcome. The 2023 Roberts Cove Vintage Festival is taking place on Sunday, 6th of August, in the Festival Field. Opening time, 12 noon. Cars, tractors, as well as old-time operational thrashing machine to be seen, as well as Carrigaline Men's Shed exhibition. There will also be a number of very exciting activities, including motorbike stunt riding in a separate area by Trial Star from Dublin. Also music on stage with Gina and the Champions and the Johnny Cash Tribute Band. Elmer Jordan, Agri-Kids, Farm Safety Activity, 
connected to AgriAware. As always, at Roberts Cove Vintage Festival, the very popular dog show. The Johnny Cash tribute band on stage, as well as Gina and the Champions. Weather permitting, helicopter rides have been organised. The Roberts Cove Vintage Festival on Sunday 6th of August will take place on the festival field, Roberts Cove, and starting time is around 12 noon. The proceeds go to the Jack and Jill Foundation and the local community centre and Vincent de Paul organisations. That's the Roberts Cove Vintage Festival, Sunday 6th of August 2023, on the festival field, 12 noon, a great day out for all of the family, and in particular for fans of vintage machinery and vintage vehicles. And not forgetting extensive food stalls, just a small amount of the long list of entertainments available at the 2023 Roberts Cove Vintage Festival. Entry 15 euro, under 12s, free of charge. Plenty of children's amusements and people of all ages. And listeners are reminded that the Skull Agricultural Show is taking place on tomorrow, Sunday, 30th of July. Michael Collins has details. So the Skull Agricultural Show will take place Sunday, the 30th of July. And we, we, we obviously will be praying for a, a beautiful and fine day, but we must certainly welcome everybody uh, from, from West Cork and beyond because it, it, it has an international flavour as such because it's a holiday area and people have come from all over the world to previous shows uh, as was seen last year. But certainly Sunday, the 30th of July, Skull Agriculture Show takes place in the town park in Skull. As regards access? Absolutely. We, we have uh, arranged a shuttle bus, which uh, will be um, opposite the hotel in, in, in Skull, so people get a, a flavour uh, and maybe relax and t- take the bus on the, on the scenic route up into the, the show field in Skull, so at least people you know, can, can easily avail of parking uh, very, very close to the grounds because, uh, in fairness, the McSweeney family across the road have always been very, very helpful to us and they've allowed us to use their field parking but uh, coupled with that there's parking on the grounds itself and there's sort of ample parking but we have the shuttle bus which is great in fairness to everybody involved there and the volunteers that help to give us the bus and, and allow us use it as a shuttle all day long up and down bringing and taking people the whole day long from early morning uh, from about maybe 10 30 onwards that bus is in operation but also people can drive up and they'll have careful parking and they'll feel comfortable there because there's so much on john there's so much to offer we have, we, we're so lucky to have the country market, which is uh, world-renowned in Skull. And they, in fairness, they're very, very good to us. They move uh, from where they're based in Skull, uh, very close to Skull Town, up to the town park where the show fields will be. Uh, and, and they have such an array of, of food and of goods and all homemade um, uh, food, as such an, uh, locally made food. And, and other provisions also, like uh, there's artists and there's uh, fantastic people there that will be a, a huge addition to any show, but it's a fantastic addition to the Skull Agricultural Show on the 30th of July. But we also have indoor entries, obviously, you know, the baking section, the flower section, uh, vegetable section, uh, needlework, craft work. So there's a, a vintage uh, display and that'll be taking place around 12 o'clock. There's a dog show, there's a sheep dog trials, there's sheep shearing going on, uh, there's an animal road show. Uh, a tug of war. A lot of the events are we're moving things as early as possible between maybe you know I know it's be starting around half 
9, 10 o'clock, but really in earnest, we'll be starting 11 or 12 because there's an All-Ireland final to be watched and we have a, a television taken out uh, to make sure that that's in the clubhouse so people that want to watch the All-Ireland final can go down and watch the All-Ireland final. There's a tug of war, as I said, there's the working hunters taking place, the best dresser, uh, there's a fun children corner, there's an absolute array of events taking place in the Skull Agricultural Show. Something for everybody. That's the way we'd like to say it. it's a family show. We welcome everybody. We just sincerely keep our fingers crossed and we'll have a lovely dry day like we've had in other years and we've been so lucky there and we would love if people would join us on the day. I think we can guarantee them an enjoyable day for both the small kids and and the grown adults on Sunday the 30th of July in the Skull Egg Culture Show in Skull Town Park. Thank you, Michael, very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thank you, John. Much appreciated. And that's the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme for now. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks for listening. The Farm Programme, 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. Saturday mornings and Wednesday evenings, 10 p.m. to 11. Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold. Choose Gold Performance Pack. Includes biotin, yeast and protected minerals to reduce lameness, boost milk solids and fertility.